I'm here today with Jaron Whittington. He's one of my top agents here with Equity Real Estate. Jaron, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here, Eric. Thanks. Thanks for the invite. Yeah. So we got just a couple questions for you about your business. Absolutely. All right. And I've got my cheat sheet with notes down here, so I'll glance down and read off of those. And you haven't been groomed for any of this. We're all shooting from the hip. And it's one of the things that I like. I like being real. You know, there's there's too much. I don't know if we call it spit shine with an emphasis on the spit, especially with our history with COVID. Nobody likes that stuff. Right. I like I like the reality, you know. Yeah. And so just from your heart, shooting from the hip, tell me what it is that led you to become a real estate agent and how did you get your start in this business? Um, a long time ago, well, a long time ago, when I was a kid, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all growing up, my dad was, was into real estate. He wasn't a realtor until I was a teenager, but even as a younger kid, we moved from house to house, town to town, and every house that we moved to, he had us help fix it up. Okay. So we were, I grew up knowing how to do all sorts of crazy stuff to houses. And, uh, and so that was really fun. So but he's taking advantage of some of the tax benefits where you can buy a house and then sell it and have a certain amount of capital gains before you're <laughs> absolutely <laughs> roll that forward. Yeah. I did that for a while. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a good model. Yeah. And, and we would live there for a couple of years, you know, so you yeah. avoid that, uh, that capital gains tax. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. But yeah, there were, there were d tons of houses we lived in throughout the West that he would fix up. And then when we moved to Utah, he got involved with a really neat company that was doing wholesaling, one of the early ones. Okay. And he got me involved with that program, and I, I tried to do it, although I was only 17. So, yeah. you know, as a 17-year-old, I kind of lost motivation pretty easy. Right. Especially when there were uh, girls and dating and on the <laughs> other side. <laughs> you got your priorities right I at that did, time. I did, as 17-year-old. Yeah. yeah, I did all right. So... Uh, so that's what gave me a really strong interest in real estate was just growing up with my dad mm -hmm. and his his big background in that. Um, and then as an adult, I started going to college, and I'll be honest, I hated it. Oh, yeah? I could not stand the classroom structure. It really, it didn't jive with me very well. I still powered through, and I, I got close to my associates, but I was like, you know, I just, I'm really not enjoying this, and I wasn't happy. And... So I started looking to alt alternatives. So alt did you not even finish your degree? Nope. That's amazing. So yeah. just so you know, I, I, I tell my own kids this, and I get a little bit in trouble with my ex, but you don't have to have a college degree to be successful. You really don't. You do agree. have to have some great work ethic, though. You do. So sorry, I interrupted your story. No, I just, that's completely applicable. Yeah. And, it's, and it's very true, especially in my case. So anyway, I got, I got to the point where I'm like, hey, this is not this is not bringing me any joy and I need something that's going to make me happy and, and give me job satisfaction. So I started working at America first and America first credit union is a great company to work for. I really enjoyed it. They don't pay very well, but their benefits are great. Yeah. Anyway, I worked them for them for a few years, got my mor mortgage certification with America first, started doing mortgages and started working with realtors while, while being a mortgage officer for America first and realized that, Hey, the realtors are making a whole lot more than me. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, I've got a lot of background here. I'm going to jump back into being, jump back into real estate. So that was so. your impetus for getting back in, for getting into the business officially. Right, officially. And, yeah. and now that you're in the business, you do a really good business. So what is it that you do that you feel like differentiates you from the competition 
There's over 20,000 licensed agents now in Utah. I know that's small compared to some of the other states out there. It's still a lot. But though. it's still a lot. And uh, at one point last year, we had more licensed agents than we had listings on the market for sale. Yes, we did. So what, what is it that you do that separates you from the competition, sets you apart? So I was setting up for that question because I think I knew it was coming. But uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so like I told you, growing up with my dad, we fixed every house we lived in and he had us help. We were always hauling rocks to do a fireplace in our in our in one of our houses and we laid a flagstone floor and we did laminate and tile and paint and all sorts of, all sorts of stuff like that and we were involved. It was really fun. So now in my business, what I'll do is I'm not afraid to get my hands dirty for my clients. Okay. So I'll hop in and simple stuff, cosmetic stuff. Yeah. I'll hop in, I'll paint for them, I'll, I'll fix a little thing here, I'll do this or that. Anything that requires a license, of course, I'll hire out. But if there's something simple, I'm not afraid to do it. That's and, cool. And I'm there for my client. I will come and help them clean their house. I will go and do yard work for them. Um, I get my hands dirty. And that is not normal. You know, so for our listeners, if you're thinking, well, I don't know how to do that stuff. I grew up with a dad that wasn't handy. He didn't teach me any of that stuff. That is not normal. So it definitely sets you apart from the competition. Yeah. So, yeah, that's amazing that you're willing to go above and beyond to that extent. Yeah. Help people out. That's really cool. It does. Um, it makes a huge difference. So what is your process for attracting, finding new clients? You know, what do you do that once you have them that builds a strong relationship with them? Well, it's, it's kind of morphed over the years. Um, I've been in almost 10 years, I think, nine, <clears throat> 10 years. But uh, early on, really, it was word of mouth and my big sphere of influence that came from the credit union. So okay. when I was working there, I was top three in the lending department for, for um, consumer loans as well as mortgages. And because of that position, I built a big sphere of influence that I was able to bring with me after I left the credit union. Okay. And tons of those people said, hey, I, I understand you're getting out and you're doing real estate. I'd love to keep your contact info. So your primary focus has been on your sphere of influence. Yes. To start. To start. To okay. start my pro primary. So the first few years, it was sphere, sphere of influence and then word of mouth from their spheres. Okay. And I worked those spheres. And that's, that is probably one of the most powerful marketing techniques in real estate and really any niche you could probably get into is focusing on your sphere of influence and then broadening that to each of your client spheres. Yeah. If you tap into multiple client spheres, you're into thousands of people and it's, it can set you up and it has. That's great. What have you done to tap into your client spheres? I talk to them. You do. I talk to them. And so, you know, obviously the, the impression I leave during the transaction makes a big difference. And my, my commitment, my work ethic, and uh, my integrity in the transaction shows that client what kind of value they're getting from me as their agent. They see that value, they pass that value along to their sphere. And I ask for it too, I say, hey, just so you know, um, I am here for all your needs and anybody you know, send them my way. I like that you ask for it. Yeah. There's a lot of good agents that do a great job, but they're shy about broadcasting how good of a job they you do. You can't be. You no. want to be successful, you've got to ask. Yeah. Put yourself out there. Now, one of the best values that I think we provide, and, and speaking of kind of the secret agent, you know, that, that doesn't broadcast their values, this is one that's hard to broadcast. Okay. But it, it's when we 
come to negotiating deals, overcoming objections, working with difficult clients, difficult situations, this, is, this isn't something that says, oh, I've got book learning in this. This comes from people skills. And it's hard to broadcast how I have wonderful people skills because it's not showing up on paper. It's not showing up on the bottom line. It's right. not the price tag, but it's absolutely one of those things that I think real estate agents bring a ton of value to the table because so many deals would fall apart completely. A lot of people, especially today, I think, escalate things, right? They're really good at, at escalating. And, and okay. sometimes even the real estate agent themselves escalates it because it magnifies their own self-importance. Like, hey, if you work with me, you know, and then they start working with the client and they start blowing all these big things up, creating drama. I see what you're... That okay. makes them look more valuable. Right. And yet it's putting at risk the, the real estate transaction as a whole. Makes sense. And, and I think the agent in those cases is putting themselves ahead of their clients. I, I, I don't think it's a fiduciary duty thing to do. You I know, that's a you, breach you're, of fiduciary, yeah. Yeah, you're putting your own interest first by creating extra drama that isn't necessary. So what is it that you do to, when you're in a situation like that with difficult clients, difficult scenarios, difficult negotiations, this is where a real estate agent really shines. What, what is it that you do? The biggest thing I do is keep emotion out of it. This is a business transaction, and when you bring emotion into it, like you were saying, everything gets blown out of proportion. Molehills become mountains, and it's not okay. And right. I've, I think as realtors, we've both been there, you as the broker and a realtor. We've mm -hmm. seen other agents in the transaction and other clients in transactions that they, they do. They get emotional because it is. For them, it is a highly emotional thing. A home yeah. is a big deal. It's where they're going to live. It's where they're going to raise their family. They're spending most of their time there. It's a big deal. Yeah, it's the most money. They're typically at the, the biggest transaction of their lives in most cases. Most cases, absolutely. Yeah. And so it's, it is very emotional for them. And so it's, I think it's important uh, for us as the professional to take the emotion out of it and level them and help them realize, hey, this doesn't have to be so big. And we smooth things out for each side of the transaction and, and all the people involved so that they yeah. can understand, hey, this is a business transaction at the end of the day. And we can, we can keep things level. Yeah. Be that buffer zone. Yeah. So if your client wants to unload, that's great. They can unload with me. Correct. They can unload with you. You can absorb it in. You're not taking it personally. And then you can, in a professional way, approach the other side and say, okay, these are what our needs are. And, and let's put it into a contract. Whereas if that client were doing the job themselves, either as a for sale by owner or an unrepresented buyer, if they were to unload on the other party, that deal's gone. Because the other party's emotional as well. Correct. And when people are making emotional decisions, I've seen people do some pretty insane things. You're like, how is that rational? It's not. Agreed. Yeah. I've been there. Just today, so, matter of fact. Well, I think that's great. Thank you for, uh, for your thoughts on that part of the subject. If we shift yeah. gears just a little bit and we talk about some of the skills, I guess, behind being a real estate agent, how do you prioritize your time, manage your workload? What tools or techniques do you use to stay organized and productive? Biggest thing is record. So I'm a successful agent, obviously, and that, that success brings a lot of different facets with a lot of different clients that I'm dealing with at one, one point in time, you know, one moment in time. Yeah. And all of those different things coming at me at once, I wouldn't be able to keep track of it all. So a CRM is probably the number one thing that I, you have to work with as a realtor. 
I'm glad you said that. I didn't even coach you on that at all. That's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly my, the first thing I do with anybody that I'm coaching. Get on your CRM, start getting the habit of using that. Yes, you have to use a CRM. I need to get a little more organized on mine, but I use it every day. Good. And there's always room for improvement, but hey, I'm in there. I'm adding my notes to each client, making sure I'm up to date on where they're at. You know, I've got, I've got everything in there and what needs to happen for each deal. And it's, you're not going to be successful without it. So I don't know if this is going to be the same answer as that last question, because this is, this is what you do to prioritize your time. But if you were uh, talking with a brand new agent or an aspiring real estate agent, somebody who's thinking about getting their license, what is the first piece of advice that you would give them? So first piece of advice, I think it does tie into that. Absolutely. Use a CRM. But the first thing I'd say is get the word out. You want to start getting clients, you need to work that sphere of influence. Okay. So start talking to people. Let them know, hey, I'm a realtor. I'm with a reputable company. My broker is awesome. We're going to take great care of you. I've got a great team, a great lender. You know, let, let everybody know in your sphere what value you can bring to their transaction. Cool. That's what I would start with. And then put, put them into your CRM once you've got them. Now, for me, um, I like to nail things down with numbers. Like I have to have a target that I'm shooting for each day because some days are rough. You know, you're like, talk to everybody Amen. and you have four or five people and you deal with people that are, that are rude or cantankerous or whatever it is. It, it's, it's not easy. Right. Is there a number that you put on things? Like for me, I, I'm recommending for agents, brand new agents, um, a minimum of 10 contacts a day. If you're a full-time agent, really wanting to make a career out of this, 20 contacts a day. And this isn't 20 attempts, it's 20 contacts. Yeah. Is there a number that you put on things with your business? Honestly, no. That's okay. an improvement I could make personally. But the sphere of influence that I've worked um, throughout the years has really led to a point where um, I don't have to do as much of that just because I get the calls. Okay. They come into me. So I And then you document that in your contact CRM. management software. Correct. Okay. Yep. I keep track of each contact that, that gets a hold of me and then I use it for my follow up. Okay. So. One of the things that I like about KB Core, which is a new software we've started using in this last year, is that I can go up in the settings and I can say assign me ten contacts a day or That's twenty perfect. contacts a day. And what it does is it finds those people that fall between the cracks. Because I'm like you. I'll end up talking a lot with the people that, you know, were calling me and things like that. And then I look back at especially after five years or ten years, I'm like, right. I can barely remember this person. I've really dropped the ball in staying in touch with my sphere of influence the way I would like to. I've got my kind of favorite people that keep coming to me. Right. But then I'm spending money finding new people, marketing to new people, when I've got people that I know love me, that I should have done a better job. And so I like that KB Core goes through and it says, hey, you haven't talked to this person yet as long as they've been in your database or it's been six months. You know, If you're working your database regularly, it pulls those old people to the front and it works, especially when you're good like you are at when you're talking to somebody, you make notes about it yeah. because then it does know who's falling through the cracks. And so that's a tool that I like that helps me do the things that you're talking about because Perfect. doing those things that you're talking about, I need help doing it. It doesn't come natural to me. I have to use tools. There you go. So, Well, I'm going to hop into KV Core. <laughs> Get right. rid of my old CRM. <laughs> that's a good so, tool. Last question for you. 
when I first started in this business, I noticed in the magazine articles two different trains of thought. One was, okay. here's how you become successful, and a lot of articles were on that. And the other one was, here's how you have work-life balance because happiness isn't a lot of money. That's true. And a lot of people don't believe that or don't realize it until they're there and they've got a lot of money, but they've sacrificed their health along the way because as realtors, I saw a picture from one of our top agents the other day. He, he posted this on Facebook and it was his car. And the passenger side seat was filled almost up to the seat level with wrappers. And he's like, I clean this out every week, but I'm always on the road, always eating out. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? It's pretty true. We don't eat very well quite often. I mean, this is something that a lot of us are guilty of because we are on the road a lot. And, and sometimes breakfast, but almost always lunch, dinner yep. is out on the road. Arby's today. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I haven't had lunch yet today, so oh, you're ahead go? of me. <laughs> um, so maintaining this work-life balance, when you're, when you're past that initial stage of how do I get to be successful, now I'm successful. How do I maintain balance so that I can actually find happiness? Do you have any tips for that? Oh, 100%. That's a big one for me. So in the guideline for our fiduciary duty to our clients, it says we have a duty to give our clients reasonable care. Okay. So reasonable care to me means that, of course, their needs come first within a reasonable guideline. So Sundays are my day. Okay. Most people get Saturday and Sunday. I work six days a week, and I work hard those six days. I put in the time, I put in the hours, I go to bat for my clients, I get my hands dirty for my clients. Just today I was wrapping a condensate line of a cooler with some insulation and taping it. Because mm -hmm. that's an easy thing to do. Yeah. And so um, beyond that, I take Sunday. And okay. Sunday's my boundary, mm -hmm. Sunday's my line. If somebody contacts me on a Sunday, my voicemail says, just so you know, I do not work Sundays. I will get back to you first thing Monday morning. I like that. I like that you, in a way, have posted your hours. Like one of the most frustrating things for me is you walk up to a business and you grab the door and it doesn't open. Right. And you're like, where are your posted hours? And you're pulling out your phone, you're checking their website, like how come they're not open? What's going on here? And so I like, and it's one of the things that I teach in my trainings, it's important to post your hours. It's important to have those conversations up front with your clients. Here's when you can expect me. I've had agents and brokers that have been doing this for 40 years, and they'll brag to me about taking calls at 1 a.m. in the morning. Ugh, that's bragging? And, and that was my thought. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I don't admire that. I, I, do I. I. I pity that. I feel sorry for that person, but it isn't somebody yeah. that I admire, and it isn't somebody that I respect. And so it took me a few years in this business to learn that lesson. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I thought I would lose business by having boundaries. But once I set professional boundaries in place, I was shocked. I got higher customer satisfaction ratings than I'd ever gotten. Yeah. I cut my hours almost in half. I was working 80 hours a week. Wow. And, and I cut back down to about 50. I got higher customer satisfaction. And I actually increased my business by nearly 50% that year. Oh, I went from fantastic. 24 transactions to 35. Nice. And cut my hours almost in half. And I was absolutely shocked because that is not what I expect. I expected to make a major pay cut. I did it for my family yeah. because, you know, burning the candle at both ends, you get burned out. You do. And I was shocked to learn that once I put professional boundaries in place, my business actually did better. Right. Well, you take care of you first. 
Yeah. The, the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can take of others. Great. Well, Jaron, thank you so, so much for joining me here today. I awesome. appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for the questions, Eric. All right.